This is a very special episode of the Red Pill Podcast. You guys aren't going to see any video from this podcast because we are doing this podcast on the road. Very special guest. We got Tyrese. <laughs> wow, Tyrese. You know what? We normally have people clap. Let's everybody in the room just clap right now. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Without my white people, I normally got white people back. Maddie, Jason, <laughs> we on the road. Give me some of that. Yeah, yeah. Tyrese, brother, man, listen. Before we even get into, you know, everybody knows what we do here at the Red Pill and yeah. how we do these things. Before we even get into this, I want to, I want to take you guys through something real quick. This is the first time me and Tyrese have we've we've connected over the phone. We we've talked, but this is the first time I actually came out to your house mm. and. I gotta say, bro, it, it lived up to to all of the. I mean, I walk in the door, I see the American Music Awards, I see pictures with Stevie Wonder, I see pictures with Barack Obama, and y'all look like y'all was happy. You and Obama oh, yeah, look like yeah, friends. We, we, we got a lot of teeth, bro. <laughs> then you show me the backyard um, area that everyone is uh, you know, familiar with right now, which has the <laughs> Benihana's, the Starbucks, the recording studio with the bedroom inside of it, the lounge, the pool, the fire pit, all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. and, and I see all of these things and I'm thinking, you know, this brother is, is so blessed and that crystallizes for me uh, some of the things that you've been going through over the past year and a half. And I'm going to ask you, first question is, with everything that you have and everything that you've been through right now at this point in your life, do you feel blessed? Um, <clears throat> I, I do feel blessed, man. Uh, thank you for having me on. Of course. Um, one part of the story that you left out is that we connected over oxtails. <laughs> uh, which... If y'all hear this dude burping in the middle of this interview, he just, he didn't have one. He had two full bowls of oxtails and got it cracking. And uh, I don't know what you did with that other quote-unquote oxtail debut, but I'm sure. Slamming. We, uh, we, we took oxtails care of business. Oxtails were slamming. Right. I had to have a second bowl. I ran before I came, so I felt pretty <laughs> good about that, man. Um, you know, I do feel blessed, man. And I've never stopped feeling blessed. Mm. Um, you know, so I just appreciate, um, everybody, you know, it was, uh, when I went through my recent traumas, that was very public and very private, um, outside of the jokes and the memes and the crying videos and everything that, you know, uh, the world had fun with, there was a lot of people, my peers, friends, childhood pastors you name it reaching out praying and was really rooting for me um you know for for what i was dealing with and um so you know what's interesting i've never lost faith um i never stopped calling on not just god but the lord jesus christ i never stopped calling on him and you know even when i was on those psych meds <laughs> which mm. was crazy as, as ever um I went back to all of those Instagram posts and it was, it blew me away that I kept on putting up posts that included scriptures from the Bible. Mm. And I wasn't even in my right state of mind, but I continued to call on God and I felt his presence through it all. Didn't know what the outcome was going to be, but you know, I felt his presence and, uh, 
<clears throat> you know, I've never talked about uh, this stuff publicly, but I, I just want to tell you just to start this off. Like, imagine being drunk or high out of your mind, which some psych meds had me. As I sit here right now, I can tell you that I don't know how I'm still alive. Mm. I don't know how I was safe through it all. I know what I was posting. I know how crazy me crying on the internet looked, but I don't know how I'm still here, still safe. I was driving while I was on them psych meds. I could have hit somebody. I had knives and weapons in my house. I could have used them on myself or anybody around me. Um, when you're not in your right state of mind, you do some dumb shit. Right. And only by the grace of God, only by the grace of God, did I not harm myself or anyone else. Mm. So in the midst of all of the funny and the memes and, you know, I just want my baby and all of the stuff that happened, <clears throat> um, on a much deeper level, um, what a blessing it is that I'm still here. How did you get to the point that you were at? You say, uh, psych meds, we all, everyone saw what happened. Everyone yeah. saw the, the, you know, the, the, like you say, the pictures, the crime videos, it was, it went everywhere. Everybody, <laughs> everybody sees, everybody sees. There wasn't every, no crime videos. No, I said oh, crying, say crying, crying like, videos. Crying, everybody like, saw that. You jacking somebody. 48. <laughs> but how, when you say like, so take us through, um, because it, the, I think what shocked everyone was mm -hmm. that didn't seem to be the Tyrese that we were used to seeing. Mm -hmm. And so no one knew ex exactly what was going on with you. Yeah. You touched a little bit on it with the with, with the psych meds and stuff like that. How did you get to that point where you seemingly lost control? Okay, so I've never talked about this publicly. Okay. This is, uh, this is, I'm here to be transparent. Gotcha. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so let me just kind of walk you out there. I'll make it short and sweet as I can. So I wake up. Uh, on September 11th of all days mm. to the accusations that I had abused my daughter um, from my ex. Um, and it had only been the second time that I had ever spanked my daughter, ever. And she just turned 11 on July 11th, okay? Mm. And in 11 years, I've only spanked my daughter two times. Um... The first time I did it is because her mom asked me to do it because she was fighting, screaming, just kind of out of control, little right. girl stuff. And so I spanked her to calm her down. And the second time I spanked her, it happened in Atlanta at my house, my other house. And so, you know, um, I, she took some money. It was really small, but a big deal to me. Um, she had a birthday party at my house. She had a bunch of money that was given to her from all my friends and her friends and people that came. Uh, I did her birthday party on the 4th of July because she was actually going to be with her mother for her actual birthday. So gift cards, money, money, money. She probably had, it was light, probably 350, maybe $400. And she said to me, dad, um, I'm on my way to Israel with my mom. Can I take some of this money that was given to me as gifts for 
the vacation and I'm about to go on with my mom. And I told her no. Because, you know, she has a bank account. We saving. She loves like trying me. to teach her. She, she's an entrepreneur. Yeah, she yeah. has various different businesses that she's, you know, whatever. So told her no. Wanted to keep the money there. She decided to take a little bit of her money right. <laughs> out of her piggy bank without asking. And after she came back from her trip with her mom, I asked her, um, you know, uh, she was actually on her way to the mall with my wife's mom her uh, step-grandma to do some shopping and we just noticed that the amount of money that was in the piggy bank had changed and she probably took all of 40 50 dollars right. it wasn't much but she took it and i kept asking her about it asking and she just kept denying it denying it lying 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 compounding it and you know i gave her literally probably a full day and a half i'm like you know what go upstairs go find the truth it's just somewhere up there i'm sure and she just refused to tell me the truth. So I ended up spanking her um, with my right hand directly on her butt. And so obviously when she got back with her moms, her mom uh, ran to court and ended up accusing me of child abuse from a spanking. No whips, no bruises, no nothing, just a straight spanking directly on her butt on top of her clothes. So I wake up September 11th to these accusations, including a restraining order. And, uh, you know, it was very public all over TMZ, just everywhere. And I don't drink, I don't smoke. I don't do white, red wine, Heineken's. I don't smoke weed. I've never used X Molly. I don't do shit, nothing Percocet. Whatever the fuck is going on, I don't do nothing. And so, um, and the reason I don't drink and smoke is because both my parents, alcoholics, drug heads, my father was a drug head, mom's alcoholic, 27 years. She's been sober now for a little over 10 years. God, God bless that. God. Yeah. Um, so everything about my childhood was so out of control. Every day I fight for control. Mm -hmm. I want to know who's around me, what I'm thinking, what I'm saying, what I'm doing. I've said and did some dumb shit like we all have growing up in the public eye. But for the most part, people know me to be smart, articulate, a decent dude, um, man of integrity, very spiritual. So everything about what ended up happening when I was crying and uploading the videos and saying that Will Smith gave me $4 million and all that, everybody knew something was fucking wrong when it was going on. Yeah. So basically, after all the accusations, I'm probably sleeping an hour and a half. I'm looking at my life and my whole world and everything about my career and baby empire in my mind that I've built. It's just like crumbling in front of me. No one ever wants to be associated to child abuse. Right. Um, especially if you're from South Central like me. If you're from the hood, you don't mess with kids and you don't rape women. You just mm -hmm. don't do it. So as you can imagine, as a person who fights for control and fights for my reputation and, and the way I'm looked and the way people see me, everything about those accusations being associated to me was driving me the fuck crazy. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't do anything about it. And there was a restraining order in place that I couldn't call, contact, or see, or reach out to my daughter. 
And every single day that I woke up and I couldn't talk, reach out to, or quote unquote control anything about that was going on, I was losing it, you know, um, as a father, as a public figure, as a, on a reputational level, it was just bad. And so I went to see a therapist, AKA psychiatrist, and I will not say his name because, um, I could have sued him, <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, with what I know now, I could have sued him. I could have taken his whole shit down. Um, so I went to see this dude for the first time ever. Okay. Never seen him, never heard of him, but supposedly he's worked with a lot of high profile entertainers. that has got issues, whatever. And so I'm sitting there I'm talking, I'm rambling, just opening up to him. It was my wife my, you know, manager who no longer works for me anymore and my other manager and we're sitting there and it felt like an intervention of some sort where they're basically They were all there. They were there and they were they had already talked to him privately, mm -hmm. given him kind of a full rundown. I'm not sleeping, I'm stressed, I'm kind of having a lot of like, you know, mood swings and episodes of just feeling like I'm losing it because of all this shit. And you know, he said to me, you know, I have something that should stabilize your mood. Okay. Mm. And I was like, okay. And he said, you know, give me a second. He went to some other room and then he came back and he handed me, um, you know, it was a half a milligram when I started on it. And he said, these pills are called Rexalti. They're mood stabilizers. They're going to just, you know, you're up and down, you're all over the place, and they're just going to stabilize your mood and, and just kind of calm you down while you're dealing with all this stuff. Now, at this point, you were feeling um, incredibly stressed. and I was, you weren't, I was fucked up. But you weren't posting anything on Instagram. No, no, no. I was, like well, I had put up a couple of posts, but it was more so... You know, me trying to defend myself. Right. It was light. It wasn't any of the Will Smith stuff and none of that stuff had crying video. None of that shit went down because I was in my right state of mind. Right. So I found myself defending myself and putting up a couple posts saying it's not true with accusations, et cetera, et cetera. I can't wait for the truth to come out. It was regular stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so then I took a half a milligram, went home, you know, and so... Because it's a psych med, I started slowly but surely slipping out of my usual self without me knowing. Mm -hmm. And then for whatever reason, he got more feedback from me and, you know, people around me that love me, that's worried. I can't say that the intervention intervention was anything despite me. It, it was all out of love. They were just really like, right. yo, You're he's concerned. fucked up. And sure. This is what's really going on. Contrary right. to what he's saying to you and how calm and articulate he is and how he seemed like he's normal, he's not normal. And this is what we see while we're with him all day. So, um, you know, nothing about this half a milligram had really stopped anything that was going on prior to be taking the meds. So then he bumped me up to a full milligram, mm -hmm. then a milligram and a half. And then yeah, sometimes point, they mess with the doses. Seeing, seeing if it's helping. Yeah. So then I ended up getting bumped up to two milligrams. And at that point, I was batshit crazy and, mm. and really 
out of my mind and and just didn't even know it okay right um so that's that's what happened you know um that entire thing that entire episode um saying that will smith was gonna give me four million dollars saying that i had uh money problems you know which i didn't um what was crazy was I did have a conversation with Jada Pinkett. Okay, so let's get into this because, uh, of course, one of the one of the biggest parts, <laughs> and really one of the most notorious parts of then is, is I see you smiling, and it's good that you can smile uh, about I it. I mean, you know, I can smile about it now, <laughs> right? Because one of the most notorious parts is that you put up a um, a, a, a post on Instagram, and you said that you had spoken with Jada Pinkett and mm -hmm. Will, who are close personal friends of yours. And my, it, my hero, my mentor changed my life on mm -hmm. too many levels. And so, and then you had said that they were going to give you four, $4 million dollars, which That's, I had never talked to Will or first of all, I'd never even talked to Will. Mm -hmm. Okay. I talked to Jada and she knows that I talked to her, but I talked to Jada and I was telling her that I was worried about the fact that the fast and the furious had been pushed back to about a year and a half, you know, and I've been in the Fast and the Furious going on 16 years. Mm -hmm. And as of now, that's that's my biggest check. That's my biggest, you know, source of income. And, you know, so I was talking to her about being worried and concerned about the movie being pushed back because of the spinoff. But I never asked her for any money. And she never agreed to give you She anything. never agreed to give me anything. I never asked Jada for money. I never said to her, can you call Will Smith and ask him if I can, you know, if he can front me $4 million. I never, I never had that particular conversation. So, I talked to Jada. Mm -hmm. I told her, you know, things that I'm dealing with that's on my mind, you know, um, and, you know. That that was like the gist of the conversation. How, was, how so then? How does that conversation go from you talking to her to, I guess, what people will be wondering is, why did you do that? Psych meds. They didn't deserve it. Um, the only reason I'm comfortable with talking about it now because me and Will had, you know, at least a three hour conversation on the phone, and you know he is the most positive beautiful soul ever and he just kept on like telling me like bro it's like it never even happened whatever just you know it's, it's okay and i'm like on the phone i'm like dude you got a quote on the cover of my first book praising me and giving me love you literally were my mentor you feel like you hurt them when you did that well yeah i do i, I feel like i feel like the phone calls and the energy and the attention that 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 I sent their way, you know, the kids, the family, all of his business associates, managers, press, PR people, like, they just woke up one day like, what the fuck is Tyrese on social media talking about? Right. And they didn't deserve it. And, you know, there's a lot of people that I work with that I know that I don't really rock with like that. And Will Smith is literally at the top of my list of one of my like of my favorite people in this town called Hollywood and and show business as a whole who has like overextended himself to help me and support me and mentor me how has he if you don't mind me asking 
as an example, I was I was with uh, Will Smith and his trainer at the time named Daryl Foster. Uh, for the majority, it felt like of, of when he did uh, that that movie. What was it called? Six pounds. Um, seven pounds. Seven pounds. You just you was off one pound. Maybe. I was off a pound. Yeah, it was, it was one of those pounds. Um, I was with him, training with him every day in the trailer on the set, just like witnessing movies on such a grand level. The first time Will Smith invited me to a movie set was actually for Bad Boys 2 because we were shooting Too Fast, Too Furious in Miami at the same time they were doing Bad Boys. And so between Charlie Mack, Will Smith, you know, he's like he was like my only like mega, mega movie star friend and mentor. And he's so selfless and giving and available to help and overextend himself you know, he just didn't deserve it. Mm. I think of all people, you know, it's almost like I wish I would have hurt somebody else. <laughs> right. And, and, and not him. Um, but yeah, I, I've already expressed all of this to him, mm -hmm. to Jada, um, to pretty much everybody that matters in his world. Um, you know, because I just felt so bad. At what point did you, it. at what point did you realize like, yo, this is because you, you obviously, to, I didn't to realize put nothing. I didn't realize, I, I announced that my wife was pregnant and she wasn't. I announced that we were having a boy. She was not only not pregnant, but she de we definitely didn't know what we was having. Right. There was nothing there. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so my wife is pregnant now and she's pregnant with a girl. <laughs> so I was just out of my mind. I was making all kind of announcements, talking about all kind of stuff and, and, and just you know, just, it was just bad. And, you know, like it, it was, what's so crazy now, as I sit here talking to you, what I ended up experiencing with those psych meds is the exact reason that I don't drink, smoke and get high. Because that moment, which lasted, you know, three, four weeks could have been 10, 15 years. Right. Of my career, if I was drinking, smoking, and popping every new drug that's in every new rap zone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so um, it's just crazy. It was, it was everything about, you know, going, going at the rock publicly, psych meds. Uh, <clears throat> you know, talking about Will Smith, money, my wife being pregnant, you know, just everything. Everything. Where, where are you? Fucking bad. Where are you in the rock now? I have yet to um, talk to The Rock to this day, you know, um, and, 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 and we will have a conversation. Is that something that you want to do? Do you want to kind of piece I, it up I, I with I did him? have a conversation with his producing partner that's with him every day named Hiram, and that was pretty much the gist of any communication as far as my thoughts and feelings around, you know, all of that stuff at the time that was going on. Um, you know, I found myself, <laughs> um, being the messenger, okay. On behalf of various people, um, associated to the franchise. Uh, but stupid me was the only one that went public about those feelings, All right. uh, which is my own fault. You know, mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's not professional. It's not cool. 
Um, you know, do you feel like at, that he at any one at any point went too far? Uh, you know, I I don't really recall anything that he either said directly or subliminally that was ever as big of a deal as the way I was going at him. Right. Which which is not cool, you know. So I think I think in general there's a million TV shows, a million movies. It doesn't matter if you're on part three or part nine. Um, there's a way to go about. Um, communicating and dealing with issues. There's there's issues on all movie sets and TV That's shows. part of the game. It happens. Um, and so I, I do regret, um, you know, those psych meds and just kind of that, that stuff influencing me to... It's like being drunk, bro. Right? Mm-hmm. Like you're going you're gonna to say exactly how you feel um, when you're not in your right state of mind. So there, there is a conversation that's long overdue. Um, I've always been cool with The Rock. I've never, literally never, have had an issue with that man. Um, I've actually stood in between various different issues with, you know, other folks that's, you know, around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. Yeah, uh, I feel it. You yeah. know, because I've, everyone who knows me that's ever worked with me, they always look at me, they, they, they'll tell you, I'm the most positive, you know, I'm I'm Mr. Kumbaya. I'm the dude that brings everybody together. I put out all kind of fires. I'm like a I'm like an undiscovered therapist of some sort that just mm. knows how to kind of navigate through stuff and and help people to find a happy medium. So I've never had an issue with any of my co-stars, including The Rock. And so when all of that stuff went down, I just I should have went about it a different way. Wait, how do you feel like you know? The, the Rock situation, the Will Smith situation, um, uh, the stuff that was going on during sort of your breakdown. How do you feel like it's affected you professionally now? Um, well, you know, I got a lot of great things, um, honestly. It's a lot of really amazing things that are happening and, and kind of coming down the pipe. I think, I think just as a whole, everyone wanted to press the pause button on all things Tyrese for a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, to just kind of let things simmer down, um, rightfully so, because that was a lot. Accusations, beefing with co-stars, you know, you know, saying that I got money coming from Will. I mean, all of that stuff was like, it was, it was everywhere, mm-hmm. and I was not even aware of it. <laughs> right, like. I was doing all that damage and was not even aware of the fact that I was causing the damage. I was fucking gone. Yeah. Okay. So, um, you know, I think, I think between various different movies and, you know, TV shows and, and pitches, uh, that, that have gotten a lot of energy and momentum on it right now. Um, I'm Okay. Yeah, you know, I'm okay. I just, I just think the world needed to breathe, and just kind of let shit simmer down. But it's very normal to deal with public custody battles. It's very normal to deal with public and nasty divorces, and prenuptial agreements, and just shit that all of us deal with. You know, um, as public figures. You know, I wish, I wish sometime that all of this fame and popularity could go away when real shit hits the fan um, because I'm a very private person that lives a very public life. 
And although I've never claimed to be the biggest star, um, never been interested in being the biggest star, um, you know, it, it, it is a motherfucker to, to grow up and deal with this type of shit as the whole world is watching. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so when we were at your house, um, yeah. uh, before we before we ate um i heard you on the phone with your daughter and you were talking to her then she walked into the house <laughs> and um beautiful uh beautiful just happy kid just so happy when she was talking on the phone with you you couldn't get her off the phone oh my God. um it's my baby so i guess the questions are what was the outcome of all the the, the drama that was going through that you were going through with her and her mother where, where well, that <clears throat> you know this this is this is what i want um and where this, do you stand where does that stuff stand now well, as much as you, you know, can talk about it yeah I, I can't really get into too many particulars i mean um everything that i have covered um minus a few details that nobody ever heard until now uh, i've already talked about that stuff publicly Okay. And made my apologies and, you know, went into details about my court case and accusations and all the above. You know, it was never uh, man versus woman. Right. It was the truth versus lies. That's it. Okay. And, you know, every real man and every real woman, for that matter, can relate to rumors, bullshit, accusations, and and just kind of how the world and the and, and the kind of the the world of public opinion will will kind of ping you to the wall. Um, and even if the outcome is that everything you were accused of is not true, it's all false, it's all bullshit. There was a full trial, a full testimony. And everything about everything that she accused me of. Right. So it nothing all... checked out. Okay. But I'm already on the other side of worldwide negativity, accusations, and bullshit. Um, and so the world that we live in, negativity will always travel faster than positivity. And it always travels first. Yeah. Period. And And so, you know... The seat that I sit in now is, it's just, it's scary. I was on the receiving end of someone who literally wrote in court documents an entire monologue. <laughs> you know, she's like an undiscovered writer of a TV show. Hmm. An entire monologue in great detail about what she accused me of. And as she testified, nothing checked out. So, and that's know, evidence in the fact that you was you were granted fifty fifty custody of your daughter. Well, I already had fifty fifty custody. They right. took my daughter from me for almost a hundred days until they got to the bottom of all of the accusations, yeah. and then I was granted fifty percent custody back. Back. You know, I'm not proud of of the things that I posted. I don't care how viral it was and how I had people glued onto my timeline, wondering what I was going to post and yeah, upload. You next. was hot for a I second. Was fu it was, it, I, I, was, I was hot 
And unfortunately, I didn't even know how hot I was. <laughs> <laughs> I was hot as a motherfucker. I didn't even know it. So, uh, you know, so it's, uh, I just, I would just say this. Um, you know, there's a lot of fathers out here, you know, specifically um, who have hugged me and walked up to me and just randomly wanted to pray with me. Um, I've gotten too many people to hit me on social media, um, friends, families, you know, fellow co-stars and just people in the industry and everybody was worried and concerned. And more importantly, you know, which I didn't know at the time, everybody was rooting for me because no one believed it. Everyone was putting up videos and pictures of like, there's no way this man who loves his daughter this much would ever do anything that he's being accused of. Um, and then obviously there was this audience of people who wanted to believe whatever was being posted. Do you think that any of the behavior that you were exhibiting on social media gave them any ammunition to believe some of this oh, stuff? Oh yeah. I mean, I, I, it, it was bad, you know, the mm -hmm. psych meds and the way I was conducting myself from the psych meds did not make, uh, the conversation lean in my favor. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and I'm conscious of that now. Mm. Um, but you know, I think what, if, if, you know, if I could say anything to all of the fathers, um, out there, as well as the mothers who, uh, who have dealt with, you know, accusations and claims and just, because it happens to women too. It, it happens to women all day, sure. every day. I mean, dudes listen, make up stuff you, about their baby when moms. When you and... go to court and you go to war, it doesn't matter how much you love that woman, married that woman. At a certain point, there was something magical that y'all had or, or babies and condoms taking off and having babies and <laughs> none of that shit would happen. <laughs> okay. So uh, you, you may, you may go very public or I may go very public about my feelings and thoughts towards my ex, but at the end of the day, at a certain point, we had something special and, mm -hmm. and shit just fell apart. But at the end of the day, I went very public about this and I just want to educate the fathers specifically because I'm a father. As you're at home and you're crying, just like I was, rather psych meds or not, and you're just dealing with missing and just having this court system and it just feels like you know, the court system has like this preset menu where it doesn't matter what you say, what receipts you show up, what, what evidence you have, you know, it seems like everything tends to work in the favor of the mother. You are not crazy from feeling that way. Okay. Mm. You are not crazy. Um, I've, you know, if you think it was rough for you, um, with no lawyer, can't afford a lawyer, you got to court, you went through the whole process, you got the shaft, you left the court, like, what the fuck, I didn't do nothing, I'm making the money that I'm making, I'm being taxed, you know, um, she's got the majority of custody, she's leaving the kids at home with her mom while she's out clubbing and flying around the country with all these random dudes she's dating, whatever the fuck you're dealing with, it seems like the court does not work in your favor. Rather, you represent yourself or you have an attorney. And then I ended up getting a real breakthrough. 
at a certain point where someone's, you know, this attorney that I had at the time named Mark Kaplan, very famous attorney. He said, you know, we're going to do something called a 7.30 eval. And I said, what's that? It's a 7.30 evaluation. Um, he said, what you are dealing with is you're dealing with what's called parenting alienation. What's okay, that? I want you to Google that. Parenting alienation in Los Angeles, California, it's illegal. And what alienation is, listen to me. What alienation is, is if your man or your wife or your woman, ex, if they're mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and verbally poisoning the child from saying negative and fucked up things about you in your absence, trying to get that innocent child or children to hate you as much as she or he may hate you. Essentially the games that happen when people break up in there. That's illegal. That's called parenting alienation. Mm. And rather you represent yourself or you could afford an attorney, you can request a 730 evaluation. Which is what? A 730 evaluation comes with an evaluator. It's almost like... Um, what are they evaluating? They're basically evaluating all of the text messages, emails, communications. Evidence of this alienation. Everything about alienation where they're basically like, who is this woman that's been going above and beyond to try and alienate or basically to sep or man yeah. to try and separate the child from you, like stopping the child from loving you, liking you, you know, caring for you. If you ever say anything positive or beautiful about dad or mom, they're attacking you. They're basically like, love me more. Mm -hmm. Be on my side. I want you to hate him as much as I hate him. That is illegal. Mm. You cannot do that to a child, mm. an impressionable child. Right. Okay. Unfair to them. There's something else called um, psychological or pathological enmeshment. Big words. Mm. When they find that a parent is enmeshed, the parent has convinced themselves that the child is an adult and they start talking to and communicating and engaging with this child as if they're an adult oversharing, going into too many details about adult issues. They're completely enmeshed. It's like putting your hands together. You can't separate the adult from the child because they're just putting them and involving them with way too many details about too much shit. Mm. That's negative, dark and toxic and dysfunctional. That's called enmeshment so between parenting alienation a 730 evaluation they will likely find that the parent that you're saying this about is enmeshed in and a bunch of things that they're not supposed to be in pertaining to the child do you feel so like they, do you, i didn't get 50 50 custody because i'm sitting around on my hands with no schedule and no career when i was granted 50% custody way back when it was based on them finding that my ex was an alienator mm -hmm. and they felt like it was in the best interest of my daughter to spend more time with me. How, how, how has this, all this back and forth, uh, affected your daughter? You feel like how, how's she doing? You know, I, I just have to say this because, you know, 
I believe God has a way of answering prayers in many forms. I believe it. And so as I'm praying for grace and grace over my daughter and her mind and her spirit and just kind of feeling torn in between both parents and, you know, we as adults, conflicted adults, separated from wives and husbands, we're not kids. We may have grown up in a household with single parents and kind of felt torn in between, but there's something really interesting about growing up and going through that same thing that you went through as a child. We start forgetting about the direct effects that, that, that the separation and the tension between both parents and how it fucked us up as kids mm -hmm. feeling torn in between. Um, and so obviously when you raise a child, and please listen to this, when you raise a child in these toxic, dysfunctional, dark, kind of heavy, always battling privately, publicly, whatever that is, when you raise a child in these type of environments, you know, it's been proven that, that kids will grow up, uh, they get, you know, uh, into sex early, um, um, very promiscuous, uh, you know, teen pregnancy, get into drugs. Um, a lot of folks end up in jail. Uh, you know, it just gets bad because, you know, it's, it's, it's that type of outcome that, that a lot of therapists and psychologists right. educated me. The, and, the parents are going back and forth. The child is kind of left to their own drama. devices. And the, 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 the negativity of the, the situation starts to manifest themselves in the kid. And it, it's going to come out at a certain point. It, and, mm -hmm. it, and it, it's it's normally pretty bad, right. and and by the grace of God, my daughter is eleven, and it blows my mind how much of a kid she still is. My daughter still is. Hmm. I mean, Nickelodeon. She cut on the Zendaya when we were back there. <laughs> Zendaya. She right. idolizes Zendaya. Uh, you know, it's like Nickelodeon cartoons. On the internet, looking at funny little quirky YouTube videos, playing little video games, play dates, pajamas, you know, sneaking makeup out of my wife's drawers. Um, you know, just she is specifically still a kid mm. through it all. And, you know, what a blessing it is that. My daughter hasn't like grown up super fast, 11 years old, trying to act 19, mm -hmm. disrespecting me, you know, not listening, you know, or, you know, just whatever. I, I just, I thank God for it every single day. Um, you know, she's like still wants me to put her to bed and pray for her before she goes to sleep mm. and read to her uh, bedtime stories. Cinderella is still flying in miles. I mean, she's still a kid, and it's 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 a blessing. How important is it for you right now at this point to find some level of love, mutual respect, understanding, whatever it is with her mother, um, so that you can ensure that she continues to develop that way and sort of remove some of the toxicity out of the whole situation? Well, you know... What's interesting um, about that is uh, you you may recall <laughs> uh, 
probably about, I don't know, maybe she had just turned 10. There was a bunch of photos that I was putting up on social media with me smiling and hanging out with her mother. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time in 10 years at the time that her mother reached out to me and she just said, I'm exhausted. I'm done with the lawyers. I'm done with the courts. You know, I'm just, I'm just exhausted. And you would believe, okay, that nothing had ever happened because I was so, I don't use this word lightly. I was so desperate to make peace and co-parent and coexist on behalf of our daughter. I, it was like she sent the white flag up and was genuine about it at the time. And it was like I was at her door two hours later knocking and inviting them out for lunch to eat sushi. And just seeing my daughter smiling, laughing, you know, it was like we were sitting across from each other. She went in my lap, kissing and hugging me, went to her mama her lap, kissing and hugging her. And we was just at this little hole in the wall sushi spot. And I felt like crying again <laughs> because it was like my daughter was in disbelief that we were actually there together and getting along. And was like, it was genuine, um, you know, kind of walking them to the car, putting my daughter in her seatbelt, kissing her, telling Norma bye, you know, and it went on for what felt like four, four weeks, five weeks, even to the point where you can pull up footage of The Rock singing happy birthday to my daughter on her 10th birthday when we was on the set of Fast 8. Mm -hmm. And Norma was there. I had flown her and her mama to Atlanta, put them up at the hotel. We was hanging out every day on the set. It was just beautiful. And, you know, at a certain point, it, 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 I had convinced myself <laughs> that, that, I was like, this, this fucking fantasy is about to end, you know, mm -hmm. like at, at yeah, a certain yeah. point, um, the reality is going to kick back in. And at a certain point it did. And, you know, we've been back at it ever since. So, you know, if I got the white flag tomorrow, I would literally drop everything and just get back into that same, vi same vibe and energy that we had at that point. But Do you ever think that you should put up the white flag? I put up the white flag all the time. Mm. Um, you know, I do. I mean, at this point, my thing has been just kind of defending myself and okay. just protecting myself from just getting my ass whooped. Mm. You know? I got you. Um, you know, but no one, including the man who granted me 50% custody, was able to see on any level that I had ever initiated mm. any of the stuff. You need two sides to make peace. You know, so it's always like once something is said or done or something crazy happens, you know, I got to stand my ground. I got to put my foot down. I got to protect myself. Mm. So, I mean, I have spent, you know, I'm, I'm approaching probably $2 million dollars. And legal fees. Man. You know, like, just like straight the fuck up. Easily. And I'm still, I just got an invoice for almost 20 grand last week. 
<clears throat> you know, and this is just from like random, dumbass, petty ass, just stupid shit that fortunately has not went public. But just like just dealing with just rant, it's day to day to day to day dumb shit. And being is that I can't communicate with her directly, only in the in the capacity of co-parenting or trying to. Every issue that pops up, my lawyer has to get into the communication, deal with all the fires, put out as many fires as he can, and everything. It's like I, I'm just keeping receipts on every issue, every moment, every step of the way. Like my shit is like, I'm like one of them people in the court that be typing. I'm keeping documents of everything. Mm. And, and so unfortunately for right now, there's still some real... Deep-rooted, unresolved issues mm -hmm. um, um, that we're very far apart on. And as you've seen tonight, I'm just pouring into my daughter. and Very and, and just, loving relationship. Just giving her everything I can and trying to keep the environment as kid-friendly and happy. I never talk about her mom to her. I never bash her. I never do anything i mean that's dope because a lot of like my daughter will right. never hear this podcast right <laughs> uh and 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 so you know i just i try my best to just keep her happy and in a loving and beautiful environment and i mean it, it just makes me emotional as ever just thinking about the relationship that has developed between my wife samantha and and shayla Let's switch gears what do you think do you do you think that any of the things that you've been through or things that you've said or tried to articulate about your particular situation, either here or other things have affected women's view of you? Um, I think the only view that's uh, been affected is me being married. Uh, okay. You know, I think, uh, you know, what was interesting is... What do you mean by you being married? Me being married. I mean, I'm, I've been a bachelor and just kind of single and singing these sexual, sensual songs and being this sex symbol or whatever the fuck they call me. <laughs> um, you know, I've, I've been that guy right. for, you know, almost 20 years. Mm -hmm. and, and even though most of my fans are very grown and very mature... It, it's it's just kind of put women in a certain space like that I'm married. No, no, I get it. But that specific uh, situation with your wife, as far as them saying that she was white. Oh, my God. It, 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 it bothered you on it, a couple it, of it, different levels. It bothered kind of me in that. a real way because I have went really, really far. Um, and I say this proudly because we all have a preference. Sure. I love my sisters. Right. I've only been in relationships. I'm not talking about who I've smashed. Yeah, yeah, just yeah, kind of yeah, had yeah, fun yeah. with, you know. Yeah. Or, you know, been around the world and I, yeah, yeah, you get shit out your system. You right. live your best life. But I have never been in a relationship with a woman that was not African American. Mm. Now, and that's just your I, preference. I, that's my preference. Now, right. You know, some dudes say I would never date a black girl, and they black. I'm only into Latino chicks, and you know. Now I may go. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, what's the word? I may go. Uh, you may vacation. 
No, no, no. I'm looking for. I'm looking for a word. Damn. I may go with some. Oh, exoticals. I may go with some <laughs> exotic chicks. Okay. I might yeah, go yeah, with yeah, some chicks that's got their baby hair game right. Right. Um. You know. You know. I exoticals. do have a type. The I go with. You, you know. You look at even even <laughs> even the mother of my child, Shayla. Mm-hmm. You know, a light skin. She's she's a black woman from London. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, grew up in Israel. Speaks fluent Hebrew. My my ex is Jewish mm-hmm. through and through, right. which means my daughter is Jewish right. and speaks Hebrew as well. So I may go extra bright, mm-hmm. but I ain't never went white as right. far as me dating white women. That right. is not my thing. And and so I was so proud to put up that post. Just to show people who she was. Oh, but I was like, yo, um, because no one knew I got married. I got married in Atlanta. I got married at home. It was private. It was probably like 40 people there. You know, I made everyone swear to secrecy. And we had probably been married for like 35 days and mm-hmm. kept it private. I was very impressed with everybody shutting all the way up, you know, because my, my wife does not have any type of entertainment background nor there's anybody in her family friends so i just knew somebody was gonna go up on their facebook like oh, yeah so hey, wow, sister. oh she didn't came up oh, shit, I just i was the wedding was so right. beautiful and all mm-hmm. my you know i just knew somebody was going to post about us getting married and they kept it tucked away and i was very happy about it so when i put up the video announcing that we had gotten married and I used the hashtag, my black queen, in my post. The my black queen and me being accused of marrying a white woman got way more attention than my actual marriage. Mm. It was the craziest thing ever. Now, you know, rumor has it <laughs> that, you know, and every married man and woman uh, will be able to back me on this. They's like, yo, when you get married for the first year to a year and a half, have, you know, the devil gets busy and attacks will come from all levels. But no one in the world could have told me that it was almost like, uh, what do you call it? Uh, Achilles? Uh, <laughs> the Achilles Hill? Yeah, it was like no one in the world could have told me that the attack on my marriage was going to be of me marrying a white woman. You didn't think that was going to be the way they got at I, I had no idea. Mm-hmm. And uh, I that shit hurt. Oh, my God, it hurt. because It hurt because, I, of the, because you care about the way black women perceive you? I love black women. I have always loved black women. And, you know, they've always been there. They've always supported me. You know, we've had some heated debates about just stuff over the years. I've talked about a lot of very uncomfortable topics in my books. You know, I wrote a whole book with Rev Run, Mm -hmm. literally discussing the relations between man and woman. So there's been controversy about, you know, things that I've said and kind of, uh, you know, my perspective on certain things. But no one in the world could have told me that. You know, because I've worked hard <laughs> to to maintain the integrity of, of my relations with my sisters. And, you know, there's this stigma that as soon as you get successful, as soon as you make money, you know, your mama black, 
You know, black women support your black ass your whole life. And as soon as you make it, as soon as you get in the NFL, as soon as you get in the NBA, as soon as you sell millions of records, all of these black women supporting you your whole life, then you're going to jump shit. Holy shit, I didn't want them to say that about me. Mm. And that's not the reason why I've only dated black. I love my sisters, and that's my preference. All right. But the last thing I wanted was for black women to attack my black wife. She's multi-ethnic, but she's a black woman. Period. End of story. And, uh, you know, I often say, uh, if you have a woman or a man that's mixed literally with white and black, if they say, you know, well, why am I black? My mama was white. My daddy was black. Why am I black? I say, well, go try and join the Ku Klux Klan, motherfucker. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. you can take your ass to the NAACP. Right. We'll be straight. And we good, baby. Right, right, now, right. You, you, if you really want to lean towards your white side, right. go try and join the Ku Klux Klan and let's see if they, they give you one of them white skulls. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, it, it's interesting, you know, us talking about this uh, because at if you're a real, if you if you're a brother and you're proud, we're talking about a lot of shit today. We are. If, if yeah. you if you're a brother and you're proud of your your identity as a brother, yeah. the one people that you want to love and support you more than anybody, because you can argue back and forth with your brothers, mm. but it gets to a point to where, when sometimes you feel the heat from black women, you feel like you're feeling the heat from your mother and your sister and your mm. aunts and all of that, and you, it is 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 very. Um, sort of, uh, sort of debilitating to to not feel loved by black women sometimes, and a lot of brothers feel that, and they don't know how to deal with it, so they lash out. Um, but I think we all understand that we need to understand how to love and support our sisters better. Do you think that? Growth... Well, the the general sentiment for black athletes, singers, entertainers, whether you entrepreneur, real estate mogul, whatever you're doing, the general consensus is. As an entertainer, before you went pop and crossed over and had this quote-unquote mixed, you know, following fan base, your core audience from the beginning, in most cases, were black. Yeah. And so to turn your and the back, most loyal audience is yeah, black. The women. most loyal, you know, you fuck, you can become a crackhead tomorrow. Everybody on the other side, a flip on you, turn or, your back on you. But, you know, black folks tend to be forgiving and they will continue to show up for you, period, end of story. So, you know, to alienate or, or turn your back or appear to turn your back on your core fan base that's been there from the beginning, you know, it, it, it feels a way. And to be honest with you, I can understand it. I, I can understand it, um, you know, because I find myself being disappointed when I see black women that I love and adore uh, you know, jumping ship We're and marrying, marrying on the other side as well. Yeah. You know, they black women don't deal with nowhere near as much heat. You know, it's like, oh, okay, girl, you, you know, you going, you know. <laughs> it's a little different, it, though. It's, it, yeah, but, you know, it, it seems like more black men have jumped ship and, and started dating white women or mm -hmm. Latinos compared to black women that are public figures. But, you know, at the end of the day, um, whether you white, black, you know, you know, gay, straight, transgender, whatever your preference in your world is, I, I just think, you know, 
people are way more familiar these days with people, you know, dating out of their race and doing whatever they got to do to, to make sure that they're happy. And, and the, you know, the idea that you just want someone to be uh, with someone in their own race could be a preference, but it's just not reality for some people. Oh, sure. sure. I mean, listen. Proudly, <laughs> yeah. I'm with a sister. <laughs> I got you. One thing I got to ask you about, um, musically, where are we going to see Tyrese? Are we going to see Tyrese solo? Are we going to see Tyrese with TGT? Are we going to see Tyrese recording music anytime soon? Because hmm. everybody's trying to hear some more Sweet Ladies pretty soon. And yeah. we hear a lot. It seems like you're a lot more. Um, even though Shame, I'm, I'm looking up. I'm see Black Rose right here. It's number one Billboard mm -hmm. uh, 200 top R&B album. So you've definitely had musical success as of late. Mm -hmm. Where do you see your musical future uh, um, being you right know, now. to be honest with you, man, I, I because of everything that that I went on, you know, in my world, I, I just now, um, you know, spiritually and emotionally and psychologically, I might say, I just now got out of what I what I believe was PTSD. So you're not even thinking about that. You know, I I just got out of dealing with the kind of emotional trauma. I was drained. I was like depleted. Right. You know, once all of that shit happened, um, I just hit, I hit the floor. I hit the bottom, you know, and, you know, and then what was really crazy, because again, I'm never high, never intoxicated. I think I was more fucked up. Well, I know I was, I was more fucked up emotionally and psychologically on the other side of the psych meds completely getting out of my system. Mm -hmm. because the realization of everything that I had said and did that's what I started, started swimming I was I was swimming in it every day I was I, fucked up was it was there a specific moment that you realized exactly how much you had done or did it was there a specific person who called you and was like yo my nigga you fucking up like was there oh, anything no. everybody called me and said I'm fucking up everybody um it was so there was so many people hitting me I actually changed my number because I was so in it and it was like when people were hitting me, I didn't know what they were hitting me about because I wasn't conscious of what I was saying and doing, but I just knew that everybody was calling and I felt, you know, I felt like I was saying and doing all the right things because that's what happens when you what, what, Did you ever have times where you would get clear? I know because some of the posts got deleted. No. 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 Even when I stopped taking the psych meds, it took a minute for them to completely get out of my. It system takes a long time, like for it, me yeah. to like. It takes a long time for them to build up and actually start working. Right. So when your doctors didn't have the right dosages, it was probably because you didn't have enough of the medicine in your system to start working. And then when it started working, it's probably when you started experiencing what you were experiencing. Well, well, here's the thing. For the record, you know, way back at the top of this interview, I was saying that I don't want to mention the psychiatrist's name uh -huh. um, because. He knows that I could have sued him and and kind of took his career out uh, because, you know, what I found out is that most psychiatrists who are able to assess you, look at you, study you, kind of wrap their heads around what you're actually dealing with, you know, watching your moods, you know, or is this manic, is this mania, you know, is this episode, is this... Is this real? Or do you actually have some type of a mental problem? Like, is there? So 
this doctor specifically said, look, I know what the people around you are saying, but I don't think anything is wrong with you. I think that you're just dealing with a very high level, you know, toxic, you know, stressful situation. And, you know, I don't think I should give you any meds, but they're saying that you're doing a lot of this and a lot of that when you're not with me. Mm -hmm. So with all of the stuff that he heard about me and everything that we talked about when I first met him, for him to give me psych meds on the first day that we met is technically not right. Hmm. He was supposed to do a minimum of three, at least two to three sessions, at least minimum of three. Before he diagnosed you. Before he was you. able to like wrap his head around, yeah. is this motherfucker okay? And let me assess him, watch him, study him, and then make a recommendation for a particular drug or yeah. what medication that could help him. Right. And so for him to give me those psych meds after only meeting me one time, you know, was was crazy. So, mm. you know, I, you know, for months, bro, months at home, fucked up, online, on my timeline, everybody's hitting me. What more do you want from me? <laughs> you know, uh, just just memes and just all of the shit that happens when you do something really stupid and embarrassing online and you know it just didn't give me an opportunity to get over anything quick because every time i went on my timeline ain't you broke uh, you know i can't get in my own fucking rolls royce and put up an instagram video on some inspirational shit we're like yo why is that nigga in a rolls royce wasn't he just online crying screaming yeah. broke we just drove over you know <laughs> we did Nigga had lights on the ceiling. Listen, I don't know nothing about no goddamn rapes. I'm a um I, like 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 I like li, but listen, a red pill audience. Let me tell you how how Tyrese played me in the race. He was being very inspirational and helping me, but he played me at the same time. No, so listen, so we get in the race right, and I've never been in a race before. Broke nigga alert, whatever. So we get in the race, and I know it's a race, right? And so we get inside of the car. And when you get in a race, you look at the uh, at the ceiling and there's like lights on the ceiling. And I said, what is this? When I said, what is this? I meant, what are the lights? Because I've never been inside one. And Tyrese goes, oh, okay, let me tell you some brother. This is called a Rolls Royce Wraith. You okay. said you wait, no, hold no, 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 you just contradicted no, no, yourself. No, no, no. I you said, just no, wait, said I said I, a wraith, and no, then you get in a wraith that said, "What are these lights?" I, in the I'm not. I, I've never. I know what a wraith looks like, but I've never been inside of one. So you don't know what a wraith looks like. <laughs> Because every fucking DJ like. Khaled video I that he uploads got the stars in the roof. Listen, everybody knows I watch the videos, stars in the roof. I, I watch videos with niggas <laughs> that got Honda Accords just like me. Those are the I like those videos. Tyrese goes, this is called a Rolls Royce Wraith. Okay, man, I'm trying to put you up on. Game, hey, but man. you know what though? He did it, but bro, I, it was an inspirational ride over here. It you was, know, a, look, it was I, an inspirational I, I told ride. Over man, here. listen, man, you know. The one thing you'll find if we ever just really hung out and got to know each other, you know, I'm just here, bro, in life just passing through. And if I got it, um, doesn't matter what I'm worth, what size of my house, what I live in, man of integrity, spirituality. When you get around me and you hang out with me, I will really convince you that it's possible for you to do it. You'll pass the it. plug. Yeah. And, and like there's so many people. Dash. 
that are insecure and threatened by another man coming up or even passing them in success. Mm -hmm. You know, the reason why I've always gotten along with all of my co-stars, um, you know, well, actually, I didn't get along with James Franco, but that's some other shit that that was forever ago. Give that dot dot dot. What we, happened with you and James Franco? Online. We fought. We we actually got into a full on fight. This was in what? This was like Annapolis. The movie Annapolis. Yep. You yeah. fought James Franco. Yep, I did. You you whooped his ass or what? I mean, I don't really want to get into all that, but it was a situation. Nigga, did you they whoop had James to Franco shut down ass the production? They had to shut down production for 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 a whole day. Mm. That shit was crazy, but um, anyway, uh, you know, I guess I guess I've gotten along with everybody. I've been around the wealthiest, richest, most famous. You know, whether you're a business, I've been around the shakes, royals. I have never been threatened or insecure about another man's success, their status, their songs, their career compared mm. to mine. You know, I really believe that God will never give you something somebody else is supposed to have. I believe <clears throat> it. Yeah. Jules. So it's mine. I feel you. You know, these are my records. These are my movies. This is my bank account. This is my life. I don't care about haters. I don't remember the last time. Well, I can't say that now because I lost a lot of sleep over haters after my <laughs> recent episode. But right. what I used to famously say is that I don't remember the last time I lost sleep over a hater because a hater can never make me feel bad about being so blessed when I've worked my ass off of this. I'm, I'm mm. 4,000 flights easily into my life and lifestyle. Mm. You know, I've compromised missing a lot of moments with my daughter. Um, I've been away from my family, my moms, all my homies, you know, chasing this dream. And so for me, you know, the fruits of my life from working this hard and playing the game to win the game nobody can make me feel bad about having the shit that I have. Mm. And, you know, I'm not condescending with my blessings. I don't, you know, I have what I have, but I don't think anybody look at me like, yo, you know, I'm on some Floyd Mayweather type shit where mm. I'm like gloating and just tearing motherfuckers down with what I have compared to you. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't, I don't say that in any disrespectful way because Floyd's my nigga and there's too many people that, you know, do that type of shit, but that ain't never been my thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I was explaining, sir, <laughs> um, the level that I'm doing it on in this wraith, you really asked me a question and I really wanted to go out my way and break shit down nah, because there, there, you, I did, just want you to know real. that you can have one. He told me in the car, he was like, yo, to let you know, all of this is for you too, man. Like this all is, of this stuff this, is for me today, it's you tomorrow, yeah. bro. I really believe it. Let me ask you this. And this is the last thing I'll ask you. All of the turmoil that you had going back and forth, I know professionally you have a really big franchise. You have Fast and the Furious, and you've been doing those movies for, for, for a very long time. Transformers. Yeah. Transformers. No, no, you, 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 got, you, got some, you, you, got, you got receipts as far as these, this box office is concerned. Yeah. Um, has anything changed in regards to your status in upcoming Fast and the Furious movies? Will you be? No, I'm in it. Um, you know. Uh, everything is is on, you know. Justin okay. Lin is back. Um, he's directing, you know, the next two, nine and ten. And you're um, on both of those. Well, my deal specifically, I signed up. I've already closed my deal for eight and nine. Okay, eight so, nine, eight, eight nine on the next ones. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so we did eight already. Mm -hmm. F. Gary Gray killed it. You know, shout out to South Central LA. 
Um, and, and, you know, we're about to do nine right at the top of 2019. And, you know, I haven't signed a deal for 10. Um, but, you know, obviously, uh, I'd be interested. Um, because, and your character's a huge, huge part of the franchise. Yeah, you know, I, I've been doing this, you know, at least 15 years now um, by the grace of God. And I, I don't I don't see a reason um, on any level for for them to, to not include me. So, you know, rumor has it this and that, but Roman Pierce is still in the building. You know, um, obviously we all hope to continue making Paul Walker proud. Um, rest in peace. And, uh, yeah, you know, mm. this, this franchise has done many things for my life and lifestyle and career and, and just kind of global platform. You know, I go places around the world and folks don't speak a lick of English and they know who I am. Mm. And I'm from Watts, South I'm like, Word. started from the bottom. No, motherfucker, I really started from the bottom. It's good to hear that you're in a much better place now, dog. Well, you know, I, I just appreciate you for um, this platform. Um, you know, I know you've been doing this podcast thing for a minute. I hope that this interview and just kind of the energy continues to grow. I think you're a good dude. Mm. Um, if we all know you from, from the show, um, but I think you really put yourself on the map when you had that moment with Kanye because, you know, most of us felt like we were speaking vicariously through you. And I called you along with everybody else. You did? told you, you know, I just personally had an appreciation for your strength mm. um, and your conviction. Um, because, you know, one could find themselves feeling like I got some shit to say. But if I say it, I might get fired. So shout out to Harvey Levin for... Who's that? You know, huh? Who's that? Who? Who's Harvey Levin? Harvey Levin. Yeah, who I don't know. I don't know who that is. You stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, did I say his name wrong? What the fuck are you doing? You had a straight face too. Shout out to Harvey for for clearly uh allowing folks that, that work on, on the team to to you know be vocal about their shit. And mm -hmm. um, you know, uh it was a moment. It was a real moment. And I just hope and pray for you and your family that, that you know, even though you kind of got thrusted into an international stage from that moment, I hope that beyond TMZ and the podcast that you take advantage mm. of any opportunities that may present itself from that moment. And, yeah. um, you know, I'm, I'm one of them dudes that would say at a certain point, we may all have a moment to break the Internet, but I'd much rather break the Internet uh, on the grounds of integrity. Oh, I appreciate over, that, brother. Over, over bullshit. So, um, you know, I, I'm sure no one else may ever do this. Um, and we've been talking on here for a while, so I appreciate everyone for listening to this full interview. I just want y'all to know that, um, you know, as a man of God, I pray um, and, and wish the best, the very best for my ex, specifically because she's the mother of my child. And although there's conflicts and issues and, and issues that are still ongoing, I hope and pray for the best on behalf of my daughter. And I hope that rather you're a mother, um, a woman, or a man, that you, you listen to everything that I just finished saying and you listen to it through the right lens. Um, I don't need you to side with me. I don't need you to like me more than my ex. 
I, I don't care for any of that. I just was telling y'all the truth and facts and, and just covering my shit. And, um, you know, I, I just want to close this out actually with a prayer. Let's do it. Um, Father God, I, I just thank you for this platform. There's so many people in the world that have thoughts and feelings and struggles and pains and things that they are dealing with. And for their entire lifetime, they will likely never have an opportunity to be vocal or have certain platforms to get things out of their system. And as we all know, when you carry your thoughts and feelings on your spirit and they're bouncing around in your mind and you're not able to vent and get it all out, there's a lot of people that will commit suicide or go crazy and have mental and emotional breakdowns. And I just want to encourage you that's listening to talk to someone. You may not be famous. You may not be on a podcast. You may not write a book, but there is somebody in your life, somebody that's ready to listen to the things that you have to say. And I hope and I pray that whatever it is that's on your mind, that for one, you invite God in and let God do what it is that he does. But more importantly, you allow for someone to know what you're thinking and feeling, what you're struggling with and what you're dealing with. I think when I think about all these people that have been recently committing suicide, God forbid that you have those thoughts or those intentions. And if you do, please seek help. We are reminded that life is precious. Um, Kate Spade, rest in peace, was worth well over 300 million, very successful. 14 year old daughter a husband and she's no longer with us so as much as you are struggling with financials or career or just feeling stuck you may think that money and success is the answer and i'm here to remind you that if you got stress and trauma and drama and stuff on your mind and you're not willing to talk to anybody about it everyone feels that pain and everyone needs to open up and and pray and let someone in on the things that's on their mind. And I just, I came here on this show to open up to you and share this stuff because I don't want to carry it. So judge me, tear me down, agree, disagree. That's what this platform is all about. I just hope and pray that you receive this prayer in Jesus name. Amen. We out. Bro. That was dope. That was dope. <laughs> that was dope, bro.